I'm excited for the opportunity to get to be here. As you guys may know, my parents go on vacation every once in a while. Probably not enough, okay? They, they need it. So they'll be out this week. They'll be out next week. So you get to hear from me, and I'm just the, the appetizer for next week, which is Gary Denzer. I'm excited to hear from Gary Denzer as well. Yeah. I didn't hear y'all clap when I walked up here. I'm a little offended. I could have started with a joke, and then all y'all would have stood up and walked out, and then it'd be like, okay, this word is just for me, because this word is for me. And sometimes when preparing messages, it comes really easy. You know, like, it's a part of my job. Messages should come easy, right? I know the word. I spend time preparing but sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. Is there certain things in your job that you do? Like it's not everything that you do, but it's a major portion of your job, but you just feel like it's not coming to you so easily this week. Have you guys ever experienced that? I experience it quite a bit, especially when I have to speak to adults. You know, I love students. I'm the youth pastor, for those that don't know. I'm, I'm Brad Rogers. I'm the youth pastor. When it comes to students, I know students. I love students. I experience those things, and I have experienced those things growing up. So when it comes to preparing a message that I know is going to be relevant and applicable to their lives on a daily basis, it's a lot easier for me to come up with that. But then they're like, hey, you got to talk to adults. And some people would describe me as an adult, and I know it's a debatable subject, but I have the physical appearance of an adult. But the majority of my life is around teens, so that's a little bit easier. So this week, it kind of was a, a, a task for me to come up with a message. And don't get me wrong, I spent plenty of time in preparation. I spent a ton of time in prayer and just seeking his face and asking, what is it that you want me to relay to your body this week? He didn't say anything. <laughs> Dang it. Why can't it just be easy? Sometimes you get in that mode and it just flows, right? You're just in the, the mode at work. Well, that was not it for me this week. And I actually kind of got discouraged and I decided to get distracted. Anyone do that at work as well? You're like, I know I need to get this done, but I just can't get there mentally right now. So I need a distraction. And some of you, I, I'm not a big fan of social media, but it is a great distraction, and that's probably what it's meant for. Boom. Different, different subject there. But that's probably what it's for. So I allowed myself to get distracted, and I came across a video that I'd seen a long time ago, but it makes me laugh, and it kind of, it actually drew me to where I was trying to get to, uh, and okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to describe the video because I don't have it for you, okay? Bear with me. Have you guys seen the video where it's a little kid crying and they're playing Monopoly? Okay. You know. You know. And they're like, what's wrong? I said, taxes. What about taxes? I have to pay them. And he's just so distraught. And he's literally crying. He's so upset that he has to pay taxes. And he doesn't have the money to pay them. That's the video that I watched that I got the inspiration from. You're like, great, he's going to talk about money. I promise you, I'm not talking about money. I only get to come up here every once in a while, and if I were coming up here to talk about money, I'd be like, okay, I'm done. I, I don't want to do that. But 
that is the video that I got it from. And I think it's probably a valuable lesson for this kid to learn. And at least he got to learn it at a young age and in a scenario that's not going to cost him the rest of his life. Because if he can't pay his taxes in Monopoly, guess what? You're out of the game. You lose. You can play it again later, right? I don't know if he will because of the emotional distress that he experienced in that one moment. But in real life, if you don't pay your taxes, guess what? You go to jail, and you don't get to pass go and get any money on your way there. They just take you there. And what's worse is with taxes is they know exactly how much you're supposed to pay, but they make you try and figure it out. And if you mess up, they're putting you in jail for not reaching the number that they had already known. And it's like, why don't you just tell us what we owe you rather than trying to make me make a mistake? Because I will make it. But that's another story, okay? I I make lots of mistakes. (laughs) I love video games, and I love board games. I love all sorts of games. I am a competitive person by nature. It is something that I love to do is compete. And on top of that, I win. If you play anything with me, you know that, okay? My wife can attest. I don't, there's a couple of things that she's beaten me in, and I don't ever use those in my stories or illustrations because they do not show you exactly who I am as an individual, okay? I am a winner, okay? I am. It just happens, okay? But I've played uh, Monopoly a lot in my life. I I liked playing it growing up. And you're like, you liked playing Monopoly? Well, yeah, kind (laughs) of. Oh, for those of you that are trying to keep up, uh, the title of my sermon is, If Life Were a Game. (laughs) I like games. But I have played Monopoly once or twice with my wife, maybe, total. And there's a reason for that. It's because I win. Y'all didn't hear that. Good. <laughs> it is because I win. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you guys a story. This, this happened a few years ago, okay? So it's not like it was recent because she hasn't played Monopoly with me since, okay? What happened was we had been playing for a while because that's what you do with Monopoly. It's, there's never a short game of Monopoly, okay? It is always drawn out forever long. And this happened about three years ago when we were living in Manila. Our kids were in bed. It was like, okay, I want to be competitive, and she wants to play something that I like to do, which is games. So let's play this game. And I promise you that every story that I make up is 100% true, okay? It is, And this is no different. This story is 100% true. She might be mad at me for telling you guys this story later, but it needs to be said, okay? So we had been playing for a while, and we were at the point where I had three monopolies, okay? You know what that means, right? It's like your properties finally actually amount to something. (laughs) Yeah, I had three monopolies on different properties, and Brittany had zero. Yes, that describes our gaming experience together. (laughs) You're like, no. But what's funny is she was just one property short on two different colors, okay? She was one property short from being able to have a monopoly. But in order for her to get that monopoly, it would require her to, or require me, rather, to trade her one property for each of them, okay? You know the type of person I am, right? You know where this is going, (laughs) There was nothing else left on the board. She needed me to give her something in order for her to be able to stay in the game. She offered me one of her properties for one of mine, and I gave her the response, you know, that's just not going to work for me. Sorry. She's like, it's worth more than 
yours. I'm like, yeah, but this property, if I give to you, is worth a lot more in the long run than that single property that you're trying to give to me. I mean, I love my wife, but I'm not just going to give her a monopoly. I'm not going to give her a way to beat me in this game. And there's something about the desperation of your wife that makes good men want to sweep in and save the day, but that wasn't me in this moment. I wasn't feeling that. I was cutthroat. I was, I was going to win this game because it was expected of me by myself and everyone else in the room. She tells me every time, you win everything. Yes. And there's a reason for that, because I win everything. <laughs> no. But I, I didn't have the, the feeling that I needed to come in and save the day. She knew I had no intention of trading anything to her because she offered me one property at first, and she offered me a couple of properties for one, and I was like, No. And we went around a couple more times, and she finally got to the point, she looked up. You know the look you get when they're, they're finally done with you? The... And here's what she said, okay? She said, so, we're just going to go around the board until I run out of money? Yes! Yes, that's exactly what we're going to do. Because that is what the game is designed for, and that is how I win. We are going to go around the board until you are out of money. And I know it seems like, like most of my stories involve my wife. That's a good thing, right? Because that's my best friend. Everything that I do is with her. Everything I want to do is with her. So I like having stories about her. And if I stop telling you stories about her, you probably should check on me. There's probably something going on. But that's why I tell, her, or tell those stories is because I love her and I beat her in all games. Not beat her, but <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> if anything, she beats me. She's bigger than me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Maybe scarier, though. I'm going to stop. <laughs> but I think about this game and how when you play with different people, there's always different sets of rules for each household, right? Did you guys experience that growing up? You're like, oh, that's not how we play in our house. Some people play where you have money in the middle of the board, right? So when you land on free parking, you get like something. It's like, when has the government ever put free money out there? It's like, yeah. Here. The only time we experienced that was a few years ago, and we're experiencing what it's like to get free money now. We're paying it all back in everything else that we're doing. It's like, no, there was never any free money out there for the taking. And I'm not trying to spoil your fun, but this one isn't actually a rule. And if you buy a game, or if you have bought the game recently, and the frequently asked questions, it actually addresses it. It says that uh, on the reference sheet that that uh, free parking is just a space to rest and relax without the stress of having to land on someone's property. It's like, no. Deflates you. Those of you that are like, I have cashed in on the, the free parking many, many times. There is no money awarded, or at least not supposed to. I'm not telling you you can't play that way, but if you're playing with me, you're not getting that. <laughs> just letting you know. Some people play where you have to go around the board a full time before you can actually purchase anything. Who plays that way? You guys are like, I'm, I don't play Monopoly. I learned my lesson early. <laughs> it takes too long, and the, the outcome is not worth it. Uh, I, don't, I don't like that way, because guess what? If you land on the taxes thing, you still have to pay them your first time around, but you have no opportunity to get anything. I don't like that rule. Others don't use the ability to mortgage the properties at any point in order to save money. Does anyone play that way? You can't buy the property, then mortgage it off so that you get some of the money back. But I, I use the mortgaging system because just like any game, there is strategy involved. And in Monopoly, 
a singular property isn't worth that much on its own. And so if I can get something back without losing ownership of that property, I'm going to get the money back so I can go purchase other properties. It's all a strategy. I mean, you still own it, but it gives uh, it, and you, you still own it, but you have to pay to get it uh, flipped back over later. The only downside to mortgaging your property is you don't get to collect the three dollars when someone lands on it throughout the game. That's a that's a sarcastic joke. It's like three bucks. Yeah, it doesn't do anything. There's no purpose for having early properties if you're not going to mortgage them, in my opinion. So even though there are rules that change in different households, there's also certain rules that everybody plays by, right? Like when you pass go, how much money do you get? Hey, y'all knew it. Y'all play the game. Don't, don't st- sit out there like, oh, I'm better than you. You have time to play Monopoly. You play Monopoly. You know it's $200. Or if you land on chance or community chest, you do what the card says. It's not a suggestion, right? It's like, go to jail. Eh, I don't feel like it. You won $10. Let's make it 100 No, you do what the card says because it told you specifically what to do. Or if you land on the go to jail tile, you, you go to jail. You don't get to collect money on the way there. You just go straight to jail. And in order to win the game, you have to have money, and everyone else has to have nothing, right? That's how you win, unless you're playing in a a soft household where everybody wins. Don't get me started on that. But it is a pretty harsh reality, especially to learn as a young kid growing up. Like, this is the message that we are being taught in games growing up. And so it kind of shapes who we are as adults. Like, when we look up monopoly and what it means, do you guys know what monopoly means? The word monopoly means exclusive possession or control of the supply of or trade in commodity or service. You guys are like, I'm confused. That's how I felt when I read that definition. But I'm not very smart. Some of you might have got it right there. But for me and those that are uh, about the same intelligence level as me, which is down here, uh, I needed to break that down a little bit more for me to understand so that I could go further. And so when I broke it down a little further, it meant the restricted or limited ownership or control of all aspects of useful and valuable things or services. You're like, there's still a lot of words there. But those words are smaller and they mean more to me because I actually understand them. The restricted or limited ownership or control of all aspects of useful and valuable things or services. So basically the game is saying that I or one, it's going to be me if you're playing with me, that one singular individual has to have control of everything useful and valuable in order to win, right? While everyone else has to have nothing, that's how they lose, and if you're, in the, if you're a part of the world, which we're called to be set apart, right? If you're a Christian, you're not supposed to be of the world. But if you're of the world, then that is absolutely true. We see it everywhere. The rich get richer and the poor stay poor, right? They have a monopoly on things and they keep you in a specific place where you're supposed to be. But when we look at this concept through a spiritual lens, it's a very deceiving concept. Of course you want to believe that this game is, pre- or what this game is preaching, because that would mean that you had everything together. You don't need any assistance. You don't need to use what you have to bless others, right? You can keep it all for yourself, 
and add to this already greedy and selfish human nature that we experience each and every day. People have bought into this lifestyle of, uh, of living from an early age because it's presented in so many different uh, ways. It's presented in media. It's presented in games. It's presented even from parents talking to their kids about money. Well, if you have money, you have no problems, right? <laughs> Nothing, nothing's an issue. And if we look at other games even, I'm, I'm going to because if life were a game, right? <laughs> I think it's important that we look at some of the messages that, that some of these things are saying. Like the game of life. Who likes the game of life? It's probably better in Monopoly. At least you see an ending at the beginning. It's not just going around in circles. There's like an ending spot that you go to. That's pretty nice. Because <laughs> at that point, I know I'm going to beat my wife at that point. It's like, oh, when I get there, it's over. And I win. <laughs> look at the face that she's, she's got over there. Just stare at her for a second. Okay. Now that she feels awkward. But the message that life is portraying, get what's yours, have the highest paying job, have the nicest house, and make sure that you finish with the most money. That's how you win, right? That's life, <laughs> at least from the world standard. Or Candyland. This is something that we're teaching kids at two years old, right? Who likes Candyland? Some of you, this is the only game you can win. <laughs> you have no strategy whatsoever, and you're hoping you don't land on something that's sent backwards. <laughs> that's it. Candyland says make sure that you finish first. If you're not first, you're last, right? Always put yourself first before others. Don't wake daddy. This was one of my favorites. Who played don't wake daddy? Don't wake daddy. The message is disobey authority to make sure that you get what you want above all else, right? In my house, it really is don't wake daddy. They go to mama's side. Uh, I could tell you a story there, but we had a dog at the time. I'm going to tell you, just because I don't want you to think I pushed my child for no reason. Uh, you're like, what? You push your child? Now I have to explain. You brought this on yourself. So we had a dog at the time, and he had a jingly collar, okay? And he would jump up on the side of the bed. Uh, and when he would do that, when we were asleep, I would push him down, okay? You're like, oh, no. Well, we have a child that gets up in the night as well. And it just so happened that those two things came together. I heard the jingling of the collar. Unfortunately, that was at the bottom of my bed. But it, it, like when you're woke up at 2 in the morning, you don't really realize where things are. Uh, and I had a child sitting right next to me uh, on the bed. And I went. <laughs> she fell into the wall and started crying. And from that day going forward... I apologized, okay? I didn't realize it was my child. It was Addie, okay? I know, I know. Uh, she won't come to my side of the bed at night. She wakes mama up and all the other kids because we told them the story. That was an, an advisory for my kids. I made sure that they knew. You don't mess with daddy when he's asleep. You don't wake daddy. <laughs> Boom. That's a good lesson that they should have learned in that game. If you mess with daddy, you cry. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I love board games probably more than most, okay? I love all sorts of games. 
And those of you that know me well know exactly how much. I've spent some money on some board games. I've got a couple of games in my closet that cost me about $140 each, okay? So it's not your traditional board game. They're, they're nice games, and they're a little more complex. I love board games, but I, if we believe the lessons that some of these games are teaching us from a very young age, and we start applying those to our lives, then we're going to be in a terrible state, especially as Christians, If we're taking those things that were meant for worldly success and applying them to a Christian standard, we are not going to reach the bar. Monopoly in particular. I've noticed a a couple of fallacies in the ideology that Monopoly presents in regards to our, our lives. Can I share a couple of things with you? I don't have your traditional three points. I've only got two because I have to one under. I don't one up. I have one under. I gotta laugh. I'm good for the day. The first thing that I noticed has nothing to do with money. If you own it all and everyone else has nothing, you win. Yeah, that's what it says, right? But if we look to the word in Mark 8, 34 through 37, it says, when Jesus called the crowd to himself along with his disciples, he said to them, those who want to follow me must say no to the things they want, pick up their crosses and follow me. Those who want to save their lives will lose them, but those who lose their lives for me and for the good news will save them. What good does it do for people to win the whole world yet lose their lives? Or what should a person give in exchange for life? I like this passage of scripture. You see, it explains to us exactly where we should be as Christians. You have to be willing to give up the things that you want. Except for winning, right, for me. I don't need to give that up. It's okay if I win at all costs. No. You know, those things that are temporary, the things that we've been chasing after our whole lives, whether it be money, power, sex, etc., it's all of those things that the world has built up as success stories for people. But the scripture says you have to pick up your cross. We use that term a lot, right? But do you guys really know what it means? Today, it's, it's a symbol of hope for us, right? The cross shows that we have an opportunity, even though we weren't perfect, a perfect sacrifice was created for us. So it is our hope. But during the time when this was written, a cross meant certain death. And it told you to pick up your cross. You know that it was written during the time that Jesus was here, right? Because it's his words being relayed. He knew what it meant when he said, pick up your cross. He meant that you had to be willing to die and suffer along with him. He said, I'm going to die physically for you, but you have to be willing to die to yourself to experience that gift that I'm giving to you by dying physically for you. When you pick up your cross, you're about to be crucified, put to death. That was the only use of the cross during that time. And Jesus said that he requires the death of self in order to achieve life through him. And he's the only way to achieve true life and meaning regardless. He then goes on to say, what good does it do for people to win the whole world yet lose their lives? Dang, it's hitting me again. What would I do to win? already said I'd do anything to win. What would you do to win the whole world yet lose 
their lives. You see, you can do the things that the world says that you need to do in order to be successful. You can chase the money. You can chase the sex. You can chase power. You can chase whatever otherworldly thing appeals to you. You can do that. Whatever feels good in the moment. But that's exactly what it is. It's a singular moment. A small blip in the vastness of eternity. The thing you're living for, if it isn't Jesus, will entertain you for a a little bit of time. It'll make you feel good. It's going to provide that momentary lift in what seems like a downward spiraling life, especially if you're trying to live according to the world. You're never going to add up. It's just a moment. But when that moment has passed, when this life has passed, what exactly will you be left with? I can answer it. I know some of you are like, is that rhetorical? No, for real. You'll be left with a burning desire and a wish that you had changed what you spent your life chasing. The the thing that you had spent your whole life focusing on. Spending eternity in hell is not worth the moment of satisfaction that we experience here. And it can't compare to an eternity spent with our Savior. It just can't. I believe Jesus asked a very sarcastic question at the end. And the reason I say that is because I'm very sarcastic. And I would throw in a question at the end. (laughs) He said, what should a person give in exchange for life? I'll let each person try and figure that out for themselves. But I'm, I'm not the type that says there are no wrong answers. There are wrong answers, especially in the question of life. And if your answer doesn't point back to Jesus in the gift that he has provided for you, then you are wrong and you lose this game of life. The second thing that I noticed when I was trying to come up with the message about Monopoly This is probably the most important realization that I have taken away from my study and preparation this week. Monopoly says you have to have all the properties of a certain color before you can start building something significant. Many people have this same mindset about their relationship with Jesus. I have to have a monopoly on my my life. I have to have everything in order before I can start to build a relationship with Jesus. I need to have all my colors purchased and in order. Jesus deserves the very best. And until I am at that point, until I am through the mess that I'm living in, the mess that is my life, I don't want to waste his time or mine. We think if we don't have our families in order, or if we don't have our finances in order, or if we don't have our free time and the hobbies, the things that we enjoy doing outside of church, if we don't have those things in order, then Jesus shouldn't have to deal with our mess. Newsflash, if you're waiting to have your whole life in order or put together before you come to Jesus, you're never coming to Jesus. The enemy wants you to believe this. You learn it from a very young age. He wants you to believe that you have to have it all together. Because if he can get you to believe that, he knows he's about to spend eternity with you. 
Even the great apostle Paul never had it all together. But he talks about what is most important. Because even if a great man like that can't get it all together before, how do we stand a chance? But in Philippians 3, 12 through 16, it says, It's not that I've already reached the goal or have already completed the course, but I run to win that which Jesus Christ has already won for me. Brothers and sisters, I can't consider myself a winner yet. This is what I do. Listen to this. This is what he does. I don't look back. I lengthen my stride. And I run straight toward the goal to win the prize that God's heavenly call offers in Christ Jesus. Whoever has a mature faith should think this way. And if you think differently, God will show you how to think. However, we should be guided by what we have learned so far. See, Paul's admitting something here. The same thing that we need to admit to ourselves. There's no way we have it all together. There's no way we ever will have it all together. And even though he hasn't reached his goal yet, he realizes that's not the main purpose. That's not what is most important. What's important is running the race that Christ has already won on your behalf. Don't look back. Stop thinking that your past and the things that are supposed to be behind you control where you're at and where you're going. They don't, unless you allow them to. Don't get stuck on those things and miss what he is wanting to do in your life today and tomorrow and every day after that. That's an easy thing to do. We get ourselves stuck. But you don't have to. Instead, do what Paul says. Lengthen your stride. Don't stand still. Lengthen that stride. I would, but I'm afraid my, my pants will rip. Not as nimble, limber as I used to be. And it hurts my back. What is this, 33? Ow. Walk towards Christ with each and every decision that you make. Because like I told our youth last week, it is a choice. It is a singular choice in every decision that you make. Is that choice leading you closer to Christ or is it taking you further away? It is a singular choice every time you make a decision. Start making choices that bring you closer to him. I'm not saying you won't make mistakes. We all do. But don't let a singular dis uh, uh, mistake, similar to when I started diet, it's like, well, I messed up today, so I might as well take the week off. No, don't let a singular mistake keep you from making the next choice, which is to get back in line with what he has designed for you. Walk towards Christ with every decision you make. Make a conscious effort to do what Jesus would do. Does anyone have a what would Jesus do bracelet on? No? Lane does? Yes. Do you guys remember those? What would Jesus do? I had a few. I had one that was a rainbow. I realized I wasn't allowed to wear that one because that's weird. <laughs> Just kidding. 
No, the rainbow is our promise. <laughs> Just saying. It's our promise. The world can try and take it, but it is our promise. <laughs> when I was a kid, when they were popular, those bracelets, they seemed kind of cheesy. I'm like, okay, <laughs> what would Jesus do? I know what Jesus would do. The exact opposite of what I'm going to do. <laughs> That's what he would do. And I wish I, I had one that I could wear today. Because I realized the importance of a reminder. Just something signifying to me, hey, this is a decision. Each decision matters. You know, when I'm sitting in line at Cane's for 20 minutes and I'm wondering why the person in front of me ordered steak, it's like, no, okay. It's like, what the heck is wrong with you? Why is your order taking this long? This is fast food, and I don't agree with that because it's not fast sometimes. If I had something to look at and be like, okay, reminder that my thoughts matter as well. (laughs) Not just my actions or how I live out my life, but the thoughts that I'm having right now about the individual driver and the people that are working in there. They're people too. (sighs) When I'm ordering food and the person is rude (laughs) or they mess up my order, All this has to do with food because we're getting close to lunch. I'm trying to get y'all ready. (laughs) What would Jesus do? I need one of those bracelets. If you have one and you're not wearing it, send it to me. Paul continued by saying, run straight toward the goal to win the prize that God's heavenly call offers in Christ Jesus. You see, Jesus doesn't expect you to be perfect. He never did. He made us this way so that we would have to make a decision each and every day to follow after him. To to have to rely on what he has done rather than what we can do. We have to answer the question, am I going to sit out of the race because I don't feel like I'm in the same shape as the other runners? Or am I going to focus on the one who has already won this race on my behalf and just follow in his footsteps? You see, if we wait till we have it all together before we come to him, we're never going to get to the point where we feel like we can come to him, that we can follow him, that we can love him. And that means that he will never get to give us the most precious gift that he intended to give each and every one of us. And that is his grace and mercy. He wants you to experience this gift. But if you already have everything together, if you already have your whole life ready and prepared, you have no need for this gift that he made specifically for you. If you have those things all together, you have my permission to leave. Not that you needed it. (laughs) She was leaving before wasn't she was on her way out and she waved at me it's funny though you can join the ranks of those like an Enoch and Elijah just go on home you've got this you don't need what the rest of us do because the rest of us we don't have a monopoly on our life we don't have everything together but we still want to start building that relationship with Jesus. And some of us have a good foundation, but we need to continue building that relationship. 
to stop watching others run the race and start running the race on our behalf, which he has won already for us. Your creator wants you to experience his grace. He does. He doesn't want you to use it as an excuse to live the way you want and then come back to him. That's not it. That ain't it. That just shows your spiritual immaturity. You're wanting to take advantage of something like you've been taken advantage of your whole life. That ain't it, though. Because grace is a beautiful thing. Grace is where he doesn't give you what you deserve, but instead gives you what you don't deserve. You see, if we look at our lives, me in particular, like just based off your jokes, I can only imagine how much worse you get off of the stage. (laughs) Just based on my life, my experiences alone, I know that I deserve death. I deserve pain. I deserve struggle because the decisions that I've made in my life. I deserve to experience sickness. If I'm going to let people sneeze in my face for a joke, I probably deserve to be sick. If I'm going to keep wearing my body out to the point where it's saying, hey, I'm tired, I probably deserve pain. I deserve to struggle in the next day. I deserve death for the decisions that I make consciously to live in sin. That is what I deserve. But his grace says that you get life, you get joy, you get strength, and ultimately you get triumph. You win if you choose him. I like winning. And if what it takes for me to win is to accept something so beautiful, I'm willing to do that. I'm not stupid enough to, I'm pretty stupid, but I'm not stupid enough to miss out on something that's free. That means I get to live eternally and I don't have the repercussions of what my life deserves. That's pretty awesome. That's like a get out of jail free card. (laughs) I need more of those in Monopoly because I go to jail a lot. (laughs) It's a pretty simple message today. I get it. But sometimes it's the most simple things that have the most significant impact. Coming to a realization that he loves you, that he already won this game, and you can't win it on your own. The altars are open. You're welcome to to come down here, as always. But I'm not the type that that has to dictate how things go. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I hope you guys know that. I'm just a flawed individual with a message from our Heavenly Father for you today. I'm not going to tell you how you have to worship. I'm not going to tell you how you have to do anything specifically. But if this message is for you today, it does deserve a response. In whatever response that you feel is needed, whether it's just standing up where you're at and throwing your hands up in surrender. Sometimes that's me. I'm lazy. I don't want to take the extra steps, but I'll stand up. I'll throw my hands up. But if you're ready to experience that grace, not just saying that you believe what is said, but actually receiving it and living a life that is shown grace, 
If you're ready to start running the race, then I want you to either find a spot down here, stand up, throw your hands up, kneel or bow your heads. I mean, whatever you feel is the proper response, whatever way the Holy Spirit is leading you, do that. If you need prayer down here, we'd have someone meet you, obviously. You're never alone, spiritually, obviously, but physically as well. We have people that love you, that will meet you down here. Maybe you're sick of trying to have everything in your life in order, to have a monopoly on your life, thinking that everything has to be perfect and together before you're willing to hand anything over to him. There's a spot for you as well. There always has been. But for those individuals, it's a little harder because it's not just shifting a mindset, it's changing a way of life. That one's a little bit harder to do. Or maybe you're, you're sick of treating life like it's some kind of game. That it can never truly be. Because if you're playing the game according to the world, you never win. But if you play according to how he designed it, he's created a way for you to win all along. But you have to choose that path. It's like Candyland. There's only one way. But he ain't sending you backwards. It's you choosing to go back if you decide that. He's made a way forward for each of us. So if it's any of those things for you, do what you need to do. This time is for you. And I'll tell you the same thing I tell our students. It's not about an emotional response to a message. If that's the extent of what you get out of this, then you missed it. What's desired is a spiritual life change, something that goes beyond the altars, something that goes beyond a feeling that you're feeling in this moment, something that you're taking out of this service and going out into the world and showing others because that is his desire, a life change within you that sparks life change within others. Don't let this experience be the only thing that you get out of today.